right. Try again. Check, 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 check. Everyone says hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. That's too loud. All right. Okay. Today on From A to Ziggy, everyone says hi. Nope. Not going to do it. Hi. <laughs> you can't just wave your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just hoping people could hear the waving that you were doing. Waving really close to the mic. They can, they can feel really the close. enthusiasm. Um... Welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast where we listen to... <laughs> That's, all of that is going to go over the music. Yeah. Welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast where we listen to every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order and talk about it. My name's Thomas. My name is Travis. And today we're talking about Everyone Says Hi. Hi. Hey, guys. Um, a track from Heathen, 19, 1902. <laughs> 2002. 20-aught-deuce. And uh, this is, what, track 10. Getting kind of close to the end. Tying, tying the threads together. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's near the end. It is. It's near the end of the record. Um, it's a happy song. It is a happy song. Cheery little number. It's weird. Well, it sounds cheery. It's kind of like an up and down song, I, I think. In that, Like Jump They Say. So the... the the actual, the, the character we're hearing from in the song is kind of chipper and trying to pass along some good vibes. But I think the person they're speaking to is kind of, kind of ho-hum down in the dumps. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, in, a, they're in a situation that's not great. And, and David Bowie's saying, hey, man, everything's cool back home. Everyone says hi. Um, this one actually, this, this, this was kind of, a, this one hit me personally. Is that right? Yeah. It definitely it reminded me, of, and I've probably ranted about this type of stuff on here before. Don't worry, it's not politically. I had that look on your face like, oh, God damn it. Totally not political. It, it reminds me very much of when I was living in Providence, and basically all of my people were still living in Connecticut. Right down to the fact that like he talks about not having any money and everything, and I was mm. just like, I was broke and isolated and miserable but every once in a while like you know i'd be talking to my friends on facebook and it'd be like why don't you just come back to connecticut everyone says hi everyone's wondering how you're doing and except my big fat dog wasn't my, my big fat dog had passed away years ago when that oh it's even sadder <laughs> <laughs> like my sad, roommates had a dog it wasn't like big a sad song out. and make it sadder yeah right so yeah it, it kind of it reminded me of that but it's not really a sad it's like a it's like a, a light in the sad i guess it's like it's a kind of melancholy to it yeah it's like, hey, your life kind of sucks right now, but all your people still care about you, even though you can't see them. Yeah. So. Or you may be dead. Or you may be dead. It might also be about death. Like yeah. Like someone who's gone from this world permanently. I thought it was about depression for a while, too, yeah. when I was listening to it. Like, it was yeah. someone who's like, you know, when they were, they had gone away, like, they were just very sad, and they're yeah. saying, hey, come out of it. Everyone everyone still cares. Which, again, it, it, it hit me personally, because it did feel like those times. That's That's the hallmark of a good song is yeah. that it can be read multiple ways yeah like, it's it's open to interpretation open to, to interpretation. coin a phrase yes and it's effective in all three avenues yeah sure yeah it works uh each way so um when i first heard this song i was in college and i thought of it as kind of a you know you're, you're you've moved away from home you're broke you know your parents are saying hi they want to send you some money maybe if you don't have any <laughs> and and that kind of thing so this is it feels very much like a, you know, kind of maybe a parent talking to their kid at, yeah. home, at, at the school or something. Or, yeah, someone who's gone away, you know, trying to make it somewhere overseas. Someone's taken a ship somewhere and moved away. It also kind of reminds me of that song. I forget who it's by. Alice. Do you know what song I'm talking about? 
No. I should have Googled this before. The lyric is, who the F is Alice? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I know, know that song. Uh, it's from the 70s. It's some, anyway, about a, about a girl who's moved away. You know, he, he grew up next to her, but she moved away, and now he's trying to remember her or something. Uh, everyone says hi. Everyone says hi. The um, production history on this one is a little bit weird. It's got, uh, it's credited to a bunch of different people Apparently the credits are different. The players were different on this song than a lot of the songs on Heathen. It was recorded separately and, and mixed separately. And so for that reason, it kind of stands out. Um, well, there was a, there, there was a bit on here on Pushing Head of the Dame where he's talking about how uh, they were kind of going for like, a, like an ELO influence, electric light orchestra. This feeling of of trying to of recreating some some stuff from the Beatles, which oh yeah, like Jeff Lynne did on uh, the anthology, yeah, with those two songs. And there was a couple of good, like there's a few little like lead riffs in the song that do feel very like I thought the guitar kind of meandered back and forth between sounding like I don't want to say generic because it's not a generic song, but like it sounds like it could be like a generic. I want to make a riff that sounds like it could be in a, like a late era Beatles song, right? And then it also, especially like the the lead. Um, I think it's like right after the chorus. I'm like trying to play the song back in my head. It reminds me a lot of um, "Misunderstood" by Wilco. I'm not familiar with this song. It's, uh, it's from Being There. So this song's from '96. So the thing with Wilco is they kind of go back and forth from being kind of like alt country mm-hmm. and what um, Chuck Klosterman described them as um, American Radiohead. A little noisy, a little chaotic, a little spacey. And Misunderstood kind of falls into that. Mm. And yeah, the song, I, you know, I was listening to the song and spent days being like, what does this riff remind me of? And then finally it hit me last night. Like, oh my God, Wilco. Which riff was it in particular? Um, Can you air guitar like, it? It's like, everyone says hi. Maybe I need to cue it up really quick to kind of, yeah, yeah. The main thing, yeah, the main yeah. one. That, this one here at the beginning. Yeah. All right, yeah. So it starts out on cello, too. Uh, I think it's electric cello. Yeah. And it's uh, doubled on bass or guitar or something. And then later on, it's like on the electric guitar. So that's one of my... I, I do love that effect in songs, where you kind of like you blend the cello and a guitar so closely you can't really tell where one ends and the other begins. Yeah. Like in the uh, the Nirvana unplugged version of Man Who Sold the World. It was like mm-hmm. the first time I heard that happen. Something I, it's, it's one of those weird little simple pleasures. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only reason I could have uh, separated them was I was listening, I was telling you before, I, I was listening to the 5.1 mix uh, that came out at the time and it, it sort of separates things out into the front and the back. So like the cello, the strings are in the front or something and the, the guitar you can hear separately, like behind you. No, I was primarily just listening to like the crappy compressed MP3 on Spotify. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of compressed, the, um, the whole, the whole sound, the whole, this whole song is really compressed. It's like really mashed together, you know, as far as like the dynamic range, this is a very pop uh, targeted song. Yeah. The production, the mastering is, is targeted towards being a pop song, being cheery and that sort of poppy loud kind of sound, as opposed to, you know, a muddy or dirgy song. Yeah. So yeah, this is, it's, it's kind of a melancholy song, but with a sort of happy, cheery yeah. facade on top of it. Not, not a remotely Bowie thing to do. <laughs> Some people have, 
suggested that maybe it was uh, written for Duncan, Bowie's son, who was, I think, in college at the time. So that whole like college off to yeah. off to school sort of thing kind of makes sense. But actually, Bowie said in an interview that it was written for his dad, written about his dad, who died in 69. We talked about Bowie's dad's death in uh, on the Signet Committee one, you know, where he was sort of like really in a bad mood at the festival. And apparently it took, it took many years, it took this long till 2002 to really process all of that and put it into a song. But supposedly this is what, uh, that's what this song is about. Uh, Bowie was saying that he couldn't actually believe that he wasn't going to come back. And he said, I, I kind of thought that he would just put on his, he had just put on his raincoat and cap and he'd be back in a few weeks or something. And I felt like that for years. So this one was just a little simplistic reference to that, about how it always feels like somebody's gone on a holiday of some kind, and there's something sad about ships as well. That's why this person in the song doesn't go on a plane. It's a ship that took them away. I guess that's the boat that took people over the River Styx. Hmm. That's all Bowie in 2002. Yeah, so there's there's all kinds of references you could take as as, as referring to the afterlife. There's the the guy upstairs who, who also says hi. And there's sort of darkly comic, uh, hope it's not too hot where you are. But all of it is, all of it is asking the person to just come, come on back, you know. It's, it's okay to come back, which is kind of, in that, if you look at it that way, it's, it's even more tragic, yeah. even more sad. And it, which is weird, because it, 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 there is so much like tragic sad to this song. But when you watch live versions of it, it's the cheeriest thing you'll ever see. Yeah, it's just like David Bowie with this big old grin on his face, waving at the crowd. It like it it it, it kind of borders on the cheesy at times. Borders on it. Okay, it's a little cheesy. Uh, Definitely, but entertaining. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's it, it does kind of it's a smaller gesture in how he really just embodies a song when he's doing it. Hmm. It's like a toned down version of the stuff he was doing like in the seventies and the eighties where live versions of songs turned into like watching the song basically you're watching like a play version of the song or something whereas mm. this it's just like it's a lot less a lot less bells and whistles a lot less props and humans but like he's still kind of embodying it and just that like cheery like hey everybody says hi I'm waving i have people i'm waving really high so as far as like watching the live version you yeah know, that's that's what watching him perform it is like is, is this embodiment of, of what the song is. And it's relentlessly cheery. It is relentlessly cheery. It's performances as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just you know, defiantly smiling in the face of whatever tragedy it may happen to be. Happy song. Happy song. Also brings back, speaking of cheese, it brings back the wah-wah-wah-oo uh, yeah. from Absolute I like Beginners. that little nod. I did really enjoy that nod. That's such a fun part of that song, too. That might be my favorite part of Absolute Beginners. Yeah. Because that one overall, like, I don't remember what I rated it. It's a good song, but it is, like, super, super corny. But, like, it's, you know, sometimes it just ends up with stuff, no matter how long it's been since you heard it, it just, like, pops in your head. That's one of those, like, I get the, like, Absolute Beginners wah-wah-wah-oohs in my head all the time. I think you rated it pretty high. I think we both did. I think you gave it a seven. You gave it, like, a, a seven out of five? Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe a five. Five prancing zebra cigarette ladies. Oh. I've got the spreadsheet here. So interesting. Yeah. It turns out there's no method to my rating system at all. We were, we were still calibrating things. I think you did give something a seven after that. I know I, g- I, I gave Buley Brothers a, an insane amount. That might have been the one. Anything else about everyone says hi while you think about what you want to rate this one? <laughs> now that I know my ratings make no sense. It's like it's like points and who, whose line is it anyway? They're all meaningless. 
Um, so to bring it back to when, so you were taught, you made reference to his son. So I, I found a, uh, an appearance. He was on last call with Carson Daly back in 02. And first of all, here's the thing with, with last call with Carson Daly is I don't generally watch it that often cause it's on so late. And it also has Carson Daly. And it, well, I have mixed feelings about Carson Daly. Okay. Very complicated feelings about him. But, uh, every so often if I hear a band I like is on, I'll check in on it. And it, I've never seen that show have the same format twice. Huh? Like I remember like the first time I ever saw it, it was, you know, like your standard late night talk show. And yeah. then they like got rid of the death. So the version with Bowie is basically just like him with a couple chairs and a, there's still a studio audience, but it's like they've changed the whole set and everything. By the time that I watched it the last time around, it's not even in studio anymore. It's just like out traveling and doing stuff and meeting bands. It's, it's, it's weird. Hmm. But so anyway, so he had David Bowie on and the subject of his kids came up and then he tells this great story about when his son was a little bit younger, like high school, like like high school age, I want to say, and how he was taking him to go see Johnny Rotten from Sex Pistols. He was oh. doing some solo stuff, and his son came back down with like his hair all spiked up and spray dyed green, and just like punk rock, like Re- you would expect someone who's going to see ready to go to the show, ready to go see. Yeah, except this was not Johnny Rotten. This was John Lydon. Yeah, this was he was going by John Lydon. <laughs> um, and Bowie like opened his mouth to say, "You're not going to leave the house like that," and then remembered. Oh wait, I existed in the seventies. <laughs> it's just like it oh, yeah, was, I was Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just another one of those really great self-deprecating David Bowie interviews. He gave the best freaking interviews. Oh, he's a charmer. Yeah, he really is. But I mean, how cool is that to have? Like, I and mean, we all have that experience of like our first concerts. Like our parents drag us along and everything, kind of like take them for the team. But with David Bowie, he's like, oh yeah, I'll go take you to see my old buddy John live. <laughs> And then he also, like, so after he's talking about going to the show, he's also starts talking about the importance of going to shows and supporting bands that maybe don't get the the amount of airplay. And basically he had, like, a you kids get off my lawn moment where he's talking about how, like, terrible all the music is these days back in 2002, mm. which I can't remember what the pop music situation was at the time. I would assume mostly crap. But rock music around that time was really starting to get interesting again. Really? Because this was around the same time that, um, I don't know if you remember the great The Band. Uh, the Band. Well, not well, not The Band, but quote unquote The Bands. There was like this wave of bands that were like... Oh, so bands like, that, that start with The. Yeah, there's like indie rock album. revolution in the early aughts with like The Hives, The Vines, The White Stripes, The Strokes. The The. The The. They shouldn't. Why didn't they come back during that period? That was like tailor made for them. So I thought it was kind of uh, that part kind of struck me as odd. I think it was one of those like how we do now where we're like, there's no rock and roll is dead. Why is there no good rock and roll music? And there is. You just have to kind of look for it more. Hmm. But I guess that was his point. Speaking of crappy music around 2002, there was a remix of this song that came out as a promo only 12 inch and i think it was commissioned for the game um local local uh local game company harmonics put out this game amplitude where you sort of play kind of a puzzle or like rhythm game uh and along the way remix a song so you interesting put the part put the pieces together and so there was a remix of this song by the group metro british group metro wait did we talk about them before is that the same metro the ones that did uh, uh crap no what, what did Metro do? That was um They were heavy heavy metal band, right? I thought Metro was the one that was like new wavy when uh Oh yeah, Metro, right. Oh what song it was uh from Let's Dance. Uh yeah. crap. 
criminal criminal world, world. criminal world metro no uh different metro different all metro. caps spelled in all caps so it's different <laughs> that is the laziest way to do that <laughs> um alias brian rawling and gary miller uh oh actually who also produced the original heathen version so i guess i shouldn't knock them too but too much <laughs> but they did this remix um, remixes are generally completely useless. It's a dance mix. Cases. Yeah, exactly. it's a seven-minute dance mix, and it's—I mean—it's not bad. It's not—it's not bad for a dance mix, but it's not. It somehow didn't find its way onto the bonus disc in the in the reissue that has all the like B sides, yeah. and remixes and things. Yeah, the Metro Mix 2002 was in that game Amplitude for the PS2. That's that's the story there. Hmm. Just wanted to get that in there. Yeah, have that natural segue. Um, yeah, I don't remember anything about music in 2002. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of, I mean, I was only 19. Only a babe in arms. But I was kind of settling into my everything before, the, everything sucks after this specific time, you know? You're, mm-hmm. you're starting to kind of like settle into your music groove. Yeah. Which I guess maybe is not a normal thing for like 19 or 20. I think maybe no. I've always, always been kind of like curmudgeonly and I'm just growing into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was crawling under a rock at that time. But I was definitely, I was kind of getting into the all those the bands. I was really getting into the white stripes in early 2002 oh yeah late 2002 yeah you know speaking Uh, of the white stripes i just watched for the first time this movie uh coffee and cigarettes by jim jarmusch and it's got a segment in there it's all different segments one of them is jack and meg playing with a tesla coil and of course the tesla coil was invented by nikola tesla who david bowie portrayed in the movie the prestige. Oh man! It all comes back around. All the the cycle, the circles are filled. That movie's been sitting in both my Netflix and Amazon queues forever, and I've I've still only seen like bits and pieces when I stumble on, on like IFC. It's like Bill Murray's in it. Yeah, and there's yeah, Bill there's Murray a lot with of really uh, good people in that movie. RZA and Jizza. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, anything else about Everyone Says Hi? We've gone on a few tangents. I'm glad you saved me from that White Stripes tangent because I could have gone off for like an hour about how great their style is. All right, That's now a great I know. Album. Now I know how to how to call it off. <laughs> next time, next time it comes up, I'll just bring up coffee and cigarettes. Coincidentally, two of my favorite things back in 2003 or 2004: coffee, cigarettes, and the bands. Yeah. Uh, well, how about we go on to ratings? Let's rate this. I'm going to give this song four and a half pleasant greetings. It's, four, uh, and four and a half. It, it hits me in a very personal spot. Even if it didn't, it's just a really good song. It's well constructed. It's the music's interesting. I really dig this song. Four and a half pleasant greetings. Four and a half pleasant greetings. I think it's fine. It it always sort of cheers me up to hear it. I don't think I usually skip it, but I don't usually go for it first. I don't know. I'd probably give it a three. Three pleasant greetings. Hi hi hi. Hi 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 hi. Three cheers. Um, I feel like if I was basing it just on music. Well, if I was, where did that thought go? Um, if the lyrics didn't resonate with me in the way they did, maybe I would be, I would have ended up going a little lower because it is inherent. Like, the lyrics are inherently cheesy. There's a lot of cheese. If the lyrics made you foodie, if the lyrics made me foodie, you can always phone. <laughs> if the lyrics were cheesy, uh, anyway. Anyway, I'm. That's a stretch. Um, Sorry, everybody. Yeah, it's it is super cheesy, but yeah, it, it resonates, and I do like even if, if you had just a strictly instrumental version. I would even go as high as five. I just really enjoy the music in this song a lot, too. You know, I could make you a strictly in- instrumental version. Yeah, I need to download Using something. the 5.1 mix. Oh. Just cut out the center channel. I'm going to try that, and uh, we'll see how you like it. I'll, I'll uh, email it to you. 
Well, that's probably going to do it for Everyone Says Hi. Yeah. Um, it's a wrap on that one. Yeah. Everything's done. Everything's done. Then, you know, just calling a check-in, saying hi, wondering how things are going. Yeah. How are they going? Things are okay. Things are okay? Things are okay. Which of the things are okay? I would say um, all of them. All of the things. At least some of the things. At least some of the things. Something's okay? Yeah, I'd say. Everything's mostly all right. All right. All right. I'll take that. Travis says everything's all right. Yeah. Uh, which happens to be the next song we're going to be covering hey. on From Me to Ziggy. What are the odds? Uh, that's next time on From Me to Ziggy. Uh, until then, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. We're From Me to Ziggy on those platforms. You can also subscribe and like us and leave comments and ratings and reviews on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Tell your friends uh, and and spread the word. Uh, we've we've gotten we've, our listener base continues to grow. I don't know if you know this, Travis. It's still growing, uh, despite um, the. <laughs> I wish I could remember the the Willy Wonka thing. Our listener base is growing. It isn't showing any sign of slowing, although we are. I'm, I'm wishing I could remember all the words to that right now. Right. I just wanted to use that if I was playing in a band. I would want that to be my like intro thing yeah. because we walk out on stage. This right. is so cool and eerie. Where we were going to wrap up, we were going to end this. We were going to end this. This thing was over, and so goodbye, goodbye. Everyone, Everyone says, says goodbye. hi, but we're going to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>